We can have a seat this morning, guys, gals. Thank you, team, so much leading us in worship this morning. I'll go, good morning, my name is Matt. I am one of the pastors here on staff. And um, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been, you know, we, we had this moment this morning kind of remembering uh, this transition in our church. It's, it's been a process, hasn't it? Um, it's actually, it's some, 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 at some points it seems like it's gone by kind of fast. At some points it seems like it's, it's, it's gone by very slowly. I remember uh, it was, let's see, it was July 24th, 2016. Uh, the Sunday right before that, the 17th of July, we, we sent off, we, we had Rob's last service here. And for those uh, visiting this morning, uh, we kind of apologize, but not necessarily. We, we've been through a lot, so we're kind of reminiscing. And if this is all new for you, well, um, it's part of our church's story. So, so bear with us as we continue to just kind of process here. Um, we said bye to Rob, beloved pastor of 15 years here. Uh, he was our lead pastor. He kind of brought the church from, you know, you know kind of a... A small church plant, really, to, to where it is today. Uh, so we just thank God for what uh, he did through Rob. And anyways, we, we sent him off a, about nine months ago uh, to become a district superintendent. And then I remember standing up here, and I remember Mark Tabor and Toby, and I forget who else was involved in that service, but we had a transitional Sunday. Do you guys remember that? Anyone here for that transition Sunday? July 24th, we, we talked about uh, Joshua chapter 4, and we talked about the people of Israel as they, as they crossed the Jordan, and, and as they did that, the miracle of God cro- you know, parting the, the little Jordan River, not quite as big as the Red Sea, but hey, it was still kind of a cool miracle. And, and God told the people of Israel, hey, take 12 stones of remembrance out of the Jordan River and set up a pillar with those 12 stones so that you might remember what I did. And I remember Mark Tabor, because he's been around our church for a long, long time. I remember him standing up here on that transition Sunday and encouraging us as a body saying, hey, God's done a good work. Remember this, remember that, remember this. And we kind of reminisce on what God has been doing in and through our church and we decided on that day, okay, we're going to kind of a stone to remembrance. Sure, we're sending off this lead pastor, but we're trusting in you. Just like you brought Rob when we sent off the other pastor, we're going to trust that you're going to bring somebody else, okay? And I remember Toby, uh, he encouraged us in Philippians chapter 3. I'm just going to, this, this isn't part of necessarily where I was going this morning, but hey, it's, 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 where it's, it's what's happening right now. Uh, in Philippians chapter 3, Toby, um, you don't need to turn there anything. I'm just going to read this. He, he read this passage for us. He said, uh, this is the Apostle Paul to this church in, 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 in Philippi. He said, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing that I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward now to what lies ahead, Paul says, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I remember Toby said, get a grip. Because Jesus has a grip on us as a church and as individuals. You know, a lot of us were, were like, God, what do you have in store? This is scary. This is weird. We're sending the, I don't know. I, there, there's not going to be another pastor that can lead us like Rob. And, you know, we, we were starting to get a grip. Because Jesus has a grip, has, has a grip on us. And, and so in these last nine months, I, I just want to say, I guess, in all of this babbling, that, that I, we're proud of you guys. Uh, we as a staff, we as uh, church leaders, uh, the, the, I, I, can, I think I can speak for the elders. You guys as a church body have been amazing through this. There hasn't been any crazy divisions. There hasn't been any crazy disunity. I mean, in fact, there's just been the opposite. God's just continuing to move us forward. And I think you guys are the ones to thank more than anybody else 
So can, can I give you guys a round of applause? And go ahead, you guys can clap for yourselves. All the leaders are clapping for you, but yeah, that was super awkward, my bad. Anyways, it doesn't matter. You guys, you guys deserve to be thanked as well. Um, you guys as men and women of the faith, we, we are all members of the same body. We all fulfill different parts, right? Paul talks about in Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12 about the gifts of the, within the body. And you guys are all gifted. It's not like you guys haven't done any. You guys have been doing your own gifts, walking in the Spirit as, as God's been leading you, loving each other uh, well. So you guys as well, through this transition, deserve to be thanked. And we are very proud uh, to be part of this church because of you guys. Um, we are continuing on, though. Uh, we've pressed on. We've had a few different series. We did, uh, what, The Heroes of Faith. We went through the Book of Psalms. Uh, uh, whatever we just went through. Oh, the Beatitudes, that's right. Wow. It's, whew, it was close there. Uh, but today we're continuing on, okay? We, get, we have uh, several weeks before Brian does come. Uh, and so we just, we just keep going, right? As a church, we're just going on. And so we're going to be diving into our Second Peter uh, this morning, and I'm excited to bring us into this series, uh, the book of Second Peter. And if you would, if you have your Bibles or you got your smartphones, go ahead and turn there. Uh, it's a kind of a short book. If you know Second Peter, you've probably read through it before. If you haven't, and as you turn there, you'll realize, wow, you're going to spend six weeks, and it's a it's a three chapter book. And I say, well, yes, indeed, we could actually spend a year in Second Peter. Uh, it may be short and sweet and to the point, but there are some profound and very rich content that the Apostle Peter has for us and had when he wrote it for those believers in, in that day, but has for us as the Holy Spirit continues to use it in our lives as the inspired, as the inspired Word of God to us. I'm going to turn there as well. So it is a small book, uh, but it's got profound and rich things for us. Uh, it's going to be an amazing walk uh, these next uh, six weeks. We've got six more weeks uh, after this Sunday to do this. Um, this morning as I prayed, Lord, how, you know, how, do we, how do we dive into this book? Yeah, it's short, but it's packed full, and we're in this transition. We're going to be looking forward to it. Like, so you know, we don't want to just, like, just wait for Brian to get here. We want to continue as a church, right? We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to be reminded of what God has called us out to be as a church, as his body, and as individuals in his kingdom. Well, as I prayed about, Lord, you know, how, how do we wrap together, and how do we get moving towards this book, and what do you have in store? How, how can we set this up well? Well, this morning, there's a few things that I wanted to do. Number one, and this is just kind of a roadmap for those of you that like to know where we're going this morning. Number one, I want to lay a, a quick foundational context, okay, for this book. I, I want to talk about who wrote it, when it was written, and for whom for whom it was written, and for what purpose, you know, and what, 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 why, why was this written? Why was it sent off to these believers? Uh, secondly, I want to point out a few key themes, and, and, and there's, there's a few action points that, that, that we as a preaching team, as we met, there's a few action points that Peter just continues to kick, 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 kick throughout the book. I want to point those out for us, because throughout the next six weeks, we're going to be always going back to those, and you see them, no, remind and grow, we'll get to those. Uh, this morning and kind of point those out through the book. And finally today, as we dive in, I, I wanna, I'm going to be covering the first four verses, and, and really in these first four verses, uh, it, it sets, sets the tone, I think, for kind of what Peter's laying down, what he's trying to communicate. It sets the tone for what I believe the rest of the letter can hang on 
as we continue through this series. So uh, God's got some great things in store as we tackle into this book. And uh, would, you, would you just ask, me, ask him with me this morning? I, I want to be sure uh, to just stop and ask him to do his work of speaking through his word. So uh, bow with me with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we just want to pause again. Um, Lord, we want to have ears to hear you. Uh, Lord, this morning we know that there's an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Lord, many, many of us this week he has thrown arrows at and he's beat up and we're coming in today kind of a, maybe, maybe a mess, maybe emotionally a mess or, or relationally a mess or Lord, spiritually sometimes maybe, maybe we're just all off and we're, we've been off on, a, on the reservation a little bit. Uh, Lord Jesus, right now we just, we just pray Lord, wherever each one is at this morning, would we lay down what we need to right now, put it aside, give it to you. Lord, we lay it at your feet, the burdens of this life, we lay them down. And Lord, now with, with a clear mind and a clear heart, Lord, clear hands, open hands, we, we just want to say, Lord Jesus, would you illuminate your word to us? Would you speak Lord, would you, as our shepherd, lead and guide us uh, this morning? And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So, diving in here, foundational context, number one. And this is kind of obvious for some of us, but hey, if you read commentaries, there's some speculation about this, so I'm pointing this out straightforward. Second Peter was authored by the Apostle Peter, the disciple. Uh, Peter most likely wrote this letter from Rome shortly after he was, or shortly before he was martyred for his faith in Jesus, sometime during A.D. 64 through 67. I think that's significant on the, the date, because based on the elements within this letter, scholars believe, and they conclude that Peter wrote during this time of persecution by Rome, by the Roman Emperor Nero, who died in 68, so they, they really think it was somewhere between 64 and 67 A.D. when this book was written. Scholars also believe, based on some things that Peter says right, right in the first chapter, that Peter was, he wrote this while he was in prison, in Rome, being persecuted by the, the church, being persecuted, and he obviously, being one of the main apostles, was being persecuted, and he was put in prison in Rome, and, and scholars believe that as he was in prison, he penned this book of Second Peter. And he mentions, and we'll read it in a little bit, but in verse 12 in chapter 1, he mentions, hey, my departure's coming. My, my life is ending soon. So we, we don't know for sure, but most likely he's writing this from prison, waiting for his execution. We got to know that. We got to know that his words are in this context. Not only for the people who are receiving this, and, and, and as we read his words that he's in prison, but also to know that these are his last words. I don't know if you guys know, I mean, maybe you've been around a death of a loved one or you've been in the hospital bed or you've been around the scene of someone who is going to pass on soon and, 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 and as they are speaking to you, what, what are you doing? You're, kinda, you're listening in pretty. You know that what they're saying is probably the most important things that they will say. And so you're keyed in. We need to know that as we read Second Peter. These are Peter's last words. We've got to know, again, this, this is Peter. And again, we can just say, sure, yeah, the disciple Peter. No, this, this, is, this is Peter. 
This is Peter who, you know, if you kind of think through the Gospels, this is Peter as Jesus came on the scene after he was baptized. He went and he was, he was grabbing people to, to follow him. And he comes across these three fishermen out on the boat. And, and they, they say, hey, cash your nets. And Peter's like, hey, we've been fishing all night. Remember Peter? Hey, you know, the guy that puts his foot in his mouth all the time. We've been fishing all night. But they, they go ahead, okay, master, if you say show. And they, put a, they pull in a bunch of fish. He sees this miracle. He's like, oh, my word. And he leaves everything leaves his nets, leaves his father, leaves his, his business behind, and he follows Jesus wholeheartedly. Okay, this is Peter. You know, re- remember with me. I'm just kind of making these up as I go, I'm, as I'm remembering the Gospels. Uh, Peter, you know, as, as Jesus fed the 5,000, he saw those, the bread and the fish multiply before his eyes. Whoa, wow, Jesus, he's the Messiah. He's the bread of life. Peter, the, the guy who saw, who saw Jesus heal the blind man. G, uh, Peter, who saw Jesus heal the lame. The guy that couldn't walk and then could walk and praise Jesus for it. Peter, who, and, and, he, and, he, and he claims this in 2 Peter again, uh, who saw Jesus transform on the mountain of transfiguration. He trans, saw the glory of the risen Savior Jesus transformed in glory. And not only on the Mount of Transfiguration, but obviously Jesus, uh, Peter sees Jesus, the risen Savior. He goes to the tomb. He saw the tomb that was empty, and he runs and he finds Jesus, the risen Savior. He walked with him. He talked with the risen Savior, Christ. Not only in the gospel, this is, this is Peter. Remember, this is Peter after, after Jesus ascends into heaven, okay? This is, the, this is the Apostle Peter where, where when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost with tongues of fire and there's all these languages going on and, and, and who stands up amidst the chaos? Peter. Peter stands up and he says, hey, men of Israel, these guys aren't babbling. They haven't, they're not drunk. It's only the ninth hour. And he, and he goes, hey, this is what Joel prophesied, right? And he goes into the prophecy of Joel and, and that day 3,000 people come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior. This is that Peter the leader of the early church. We could go on, all the book of Acts of, of what Peter did. But we need to know these, these are this Peter's last words. This Peter. Foundational context number two. Uh, Peter was writing this letter to believers who were being per- pressured to depart from the true knowledge of Christ by some false teachers and false prophets who were arising among, among these early church believers. Okay? So, so context number two, Peter, this is Peter, he's writing it, but he's writing it to believers, and we see that in the first couple of verses of Second Peter, two believers that are being pressured from these false teachers and false prophets. They were contradicting, these, these false teachers were contradicting the truth of Christ, both in theological lies about who Christ was, about who God is, and also in moral living and deceptions on how to live ethically, live out their faith ethically in culture. And these false teachers were influencing these believers to compromise and to give in to the world's ways. We got to know this. This was happening. Not only the church was being persecuted by Rome, but they were being pressured by these false teachers that was the context surrounding this, this, these, these believers that were receiving this letter. Peter, again, in knowing these maybe these last words, he writes to these believers with great purpose. He's urging them in key themes of living the Christian life, living in godliness, living as ones who follow hard after the Lord Jesus, 
and who, who long for Jesus' return, okay? As I mentioned uh, before, um, there's some key action points. So we have, we have, we have the context. We've got the Apostle Peter. It's his last words. He, he's in prison awaiting his execution. He's writing to these believers being pressured and coerced into, into following after lies and, and being tempted okay, to the world. There's the context. We as a preaching team a month or so ago, we, we met. Uh, and there, There's a few of us uh, that will be preaching through this series. And we discussed, as we read through this book, and we discussed key themes and, and some action points that Peter brings out uh, consistently through this book. And as we chatted, there was three that kind of rose to the surface. Uh, there was three key action points that rose to the surface. And as we go through this, um, this letter in the next six weeks, I, I wanted to point these three out because we're going to be hitting them. I think it's, if it's one thing, if you don't remember anything from a series, like get these three action points. I think Peter wants us to get these three things. The first of the three is to know. And if you have your Bibles or phones open, uh, we're going we're to look at a couple places where, 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 where Peter is, is, uh, is telling us and encouraging us in this, this to know. And what, what is this? Well, look at verse 2 and 3 in chapter 1. Verse 2 and 3 in chapter 1, to know. Peter says, May the grace and peace be multiplied, you, multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I think sometimes we can just read that and it's an introduction. We just kind of breeze right through it. But listen, Peter says, May grace and peace, okay, these two phenomenal words that are huge, a huge part of the Christian life, walking in grace, walking in peace. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge, by the knowledge of God and your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, by our knowledge, by our knowledge, to truly absorb and soak in this knowledge. Okay, in verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? What does that look like? Through, through this, this divine power is granted to us through the knowledge of Him. Don't underestimate growing in knowledge and to know, to know. Look at, look at uh, verse 5 and 6 in chapter 1. Jump down a little bit. Peter says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue, knowledge, and with knowledge, self-control, and he continues on with this list, but, but there, it's, it's that knowledge, there's knowledge there, okay? If you look at the very end of the book, chapter 3, verse 18, again, to know, Peter says at the very end here, he is, but grow in the grace and what? Knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So throughout the book, he's saying, you guys got to know. That's part of this, this whole thing. That's part of, your, that's part of what you got to take down. You're being pressured by these people, sure, but you got you to know. You got to know what you know. You got to know the truth. And guys, this isn't just an, an, an intellectual knowing, okay? The Greek word behind this is gnosko. This means that this is an intimate walking this out on a daily basis. This is an intimate, this is a personal walk with Jesus' knowledge. This is an experiential model. This isn't just information overhaul in our little brains that sit up here and don't do anything to change us. 
This is a, sure, it's information that comes here first, but it transfers to our hearts. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we walk it out, we experience it, we embrace it, we be established in it, this knowledge, to know. It's an action point that we need to hang our hats on throughout this series, to know. Secondly, uh, to remind, flip back to to chapter 1. To remind, uh, read with me verse 12 through 15. Peter says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you may know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time, what? Recall these things. And again, at the the end, uh, or at the beginning of chapter 3, look at chapter 3, verses uh, 1 and 2. Again, in this, to remind, to remind ourselves of the truth. Peter says, this is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up... uh, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So so Peter's saying to the, again, they're being pressured by these false teachers. They're wondering, how do we live in the midst of all this pressure and persecution? He's saying, you got to know, you got to know this information and personally walk it out. But but it's not enough to just know. I mean, and and I know you guys maybe have experienced this. it's, It's one thing to know things. It's another thing to remind yourself daily of it. And, and sometimes not even just daily, but, but moment by moment, maybe different moments come up throughout the day and you need to be reminded of the truth. I don't know about you. I was talk, talking to my wife last night. I said, babe, my mind is so fickle. And then she didn't talk anymore to me because she, she knew with that we, we, we would go into a, a, a very deep conversation. So she ignored that question. She ignored my comment. But I said, babe, my, my mind is so fickle. I can, I can in one day be up and down, left and right. My mind can be influenced by all sorts of things. We need to be a people who remind ourselves individually, but also remind ourselves collectively as a church, as a body. And, and, and Peter's saying, hey, I'm, I'm giving this letter to you guys as, as a way of reminder so you guys can remind each other of the truth. We need to re- be reminded daily to know, to remind And finally, an action point that we see throughout this letter is this challenge to grow, this this motivation from Peter to these followers of Jesus. Hey, now grow, grow. Again, uh, chapter 1, look at verse 8. Again, after this list of qualities that he lists out that we need to be that we need to be understanding and growing, and he goes, For if these qualities are yours and increasing, notice he doesn't just stop and say, Hey, if these qualities are yours, make sure to keep doing this. He says, hey, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, that, that tells, that's, that's telling me there's a growth that's always happening. It's not like we come to a standstill in some of these things that the Lord's doing in our life. In our increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And again, at the very end of 2 Peter, in chapters 3, verses 17 and 18, Peter says, you, you guys, church, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care 
that you're not carried away with the air of lawless people, lose your own stability, but, what does he say? Grow, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him, to Him, to Jesus be the glory now and for, now, now until the day of eternity. Amen. I think many of us with this action point, you know, honestly, sometimes we, we have the knowledge, sure, and, and sometimes we, we have the, the memory to remind ourselves of the knowledge that we have and of walking it out. But I, I feel like there's some of us here this morning that, 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 that have come to a place in life where we're like, okay, I, I, I know Scripture, I know the Christian life, I know what I'm supposed to be doing for God's kingdom, and I'm, I'm walking that out, I'm playing that out. But my question to you this morning is, are you still excited to grow? Are you still growing? Or are you done? Do you feel like you've come to a place where you can just sit back and put up the recliner and say, yeah, I've lived a good life, I've done my thing. Are you in a place where you're still hungry to grow? I have to ask myself that. Am I in a place where I am truly sitting on a daily basis in front of my Lord as I personally get to know Him more, as I remind myself of the truth, and as I allow Him to remind me, and as I, as I allow you to remind me of the truth? Am I in a place where I honestly am sitting and I am excited to continue to grow in the things that God has already established in my life? And I ask us the same question this morning. And guess what? If we're not, that's okay. It's as simple as this. Lord, help me to want to grow again. Because as we see, we're, we're, we're going to get there about what this is all about. To know, to remind, to grow. Key action points that we're going to see in the next six weeks. If you don't hear anything, just remember these things. And they're on the slides every week, so you can't forget them. To know, to remind, to grow. Ultimately, Peter, he's writing this letter. He's pouring out his heart. He's pouring out his thoughts. He's pouring out his wisdom, led by the Holy Spirit, right? Being divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's writing this out to believers that they might know, be reminded of, and grow as followers of Jesus. And thus, if they're doing that, if they're growing in these things, thus they're not going to be carried away by these lies and these actions of these false teachers and the worldly-minded influence, okay? And again, these believers were being pressured to depart from these truths. And I had to stop this week, and I paused, and I thought, hmm, this sounds kind of familiar, this, this whole setting that Peter's writing to. This whole context of what these believers back in this 64-ish AD time were dealing with. Maybe not so much the persecution, but being pressured. This, this pressure, this culture. And I ask us this morning, does this sound familiar? Does, tell me, false teaching. Sound familiar? Worldly-minded people who are contradicting the truth of Christ. Pressuring us, pressuring believers to conform to the world, to conform to sinful desires, to do whatever may feel right at any given time, telling us who's most important, 
what's most important, what things we should be desiring, what things we should be running after, what things we should be uh, uh, pushing towards, what promotions we need to be getting. These things, does it sound familiar? I had to pause and I thought, Lord Jesus, this is just like today. We today are being pressured by false teaching. Go watch any movie. I don't care what it's rated. I don't care if it's G. Some of those movies are just false teaching. Everything turns out right. You ride off with your, uh, on the sunset with your handsome prince and great princess and everything's fine and all the problems go away. Do you know that's false teaching? We need to pause and realize that this letter, though written many years ago, is very, very, very applicable to us today. Just as divinely inspired, and we are just as desperate to hear the truths found within. This begged, for me, it begged a question. And I think Second Peter, as we look, look at it as a whole, as we come up above it and rise above, and we, if we were to ask one question that that, that Second Peter answers for us and that we'll answer in the following six weeks, it's this. How do we today, how, how, how did they then, but how do we today live godly lives in the midst of the bombardment of lies, the bombardment of temptation and false teachings and sinful worldly influences? That, that's a question that we need to have in our heads. That might be a question you've asked yourself this week. Lord, how, how am I supposed to do this with all this bombardment? I look at my phone. I, I get on even on Facebook. Like, gosh, it's false teaching everywhere. I, I work with my coworkers that are doing what they do on the weekends, or, or I'm hanging out with, with these students that I'm trying to be a light to, but gosh, their, their influence on me is, is heavy. It's like, man, my family members, I love, you know, we, we had them all over for Easter, and I love them, but boy, they're, they're crazy, and they're, they're influencing me in, this, in these directions of life that, that I know isn't the truth, but it's so consistent, a message that's so consistent that I get wrapped up in it, and I end up just following after it, following after the wind, following after the wind, vanity, vanity. I know, I know it. I'm reminding myself, but how am I supposed to live a godly life in the midst of this? We feel sometimes like, we are being bombarded. And we are. We are. I believe it's in First Peter that, that, that Peter talks about that Satan's like a roaring lion seeking who's going to devour him. It might even be in Second Peter. I'm not sure. I'm just thinking of this right now. But, but Peter talks about Satan being a roaring lion seeking whom he wants to devour. He's alive and he's well, but he's not the victor. Jesus Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. Sure, he is in the world, prowling around, but greater is Jesus who is in us. Okay? So, how do we live godly lives in the midst of this bombardment? Well, for the remainder of time this morning, I want to set a little bit of a tone, because Peter sets the tone to answer this question. For these believers that he's writing to, but he's writing to us today, and God's applying it for us today. He sets the tone here in 2 Peter. Uh, you're, you're there. So, so just read with me here in 2 uh, Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read the first few verses here. 
Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace, Peter says, be multiplied to you in this time in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And, I, and I, we got to get the emotion here. I, I don't think Peter's just writing this casually. I think he's tearing over this. I think his heart's in this. Man, may grace and peace be on you guys. And I think God's saying that to us this morning. May grace and peace be ours. May be, may, may be multiplied to us this morning in the knowledge of God and, and of Jesus our Lord. He continues And I think this starts to answer this question. How do we live godly lives? His divine power. Whose? Jesus our Lord's. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Whoa! That's a mouthful. We could spend a few months on this. There's a lot of rich stuff in these first few verses. What I want to do real quick is, and this is an exercise that, um, that I've learned over the years. Uh, Rick Warren back, oh gosh, this was probably 10 years ago, came out with a study, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Uh, and it, we went through it with our small group anyways. And I remember uh, part, part of it was, hey, just absorb every word, walk through a passage. Just, don't just read it, but kind of stop and kind of gather things as you go. So I want to do that with us this morning, real, real briefly here. Uh, but as we consider how do we live godly lives in the midst of this Ah, temptations and bombardment of lies and and false teaching. Listen to what Peter says here, and let's let's, let's unpack this together a little bit this morning. And I'm going to start right in verse 3. I think that's where he starts to answer this question. So verse 3, his, again, his, Jesus. He's talking in the context of our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ, his divine power. The source, okay? His divine power, that's the source. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So his divine power, the source, has been granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's the goal, right? Life. Jesus says, I've come that that, that you might have life and have it abundantly. Life. And godliness, these things that these early Christians, these things that we desire. Lord, I, I desire to live a godly life in the midst of this. How do, I, how do I live? Well, his divine power, the source, has granted to us all things. Everything that you need for life and godliness is by his divine power that's given to us. Okay? Notice what it's not saying. It's not saying by your strength, by your might, by your wisdom, by your mustering up something that's not there, but you got to get it done anyways. His divine power, Peter says, the Lord Jesus' divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness being the goal. 
So how does the source, the, the divine power, how does the source get locked in with this goal? How do they work together? Well, Peter goes on. They work together through the knowledge of him. So as we grow in the knowledge, as we grow in this intimacy with our Lord Jesus, as we grow and, and, and become uh, personally walking with him on a daily basis, as we grow in that, and as we know that, oh, that's how it works together, through the knowledge of him. His divine power has given us all things for life and godliness through this knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. He continues, by which, by what? By Jesus' glory and by Jesus' excellence, Peter says, by his glory and his excellence, he, Jesus, has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So we need to stop. Okay, okay. So Jesus, by his glory and by his excellence, he is granting to us. It's not something that we're giving to God. It's not something that we're mustering up and giving back to him or mustering up and creating for ourselves to take. This is something that Jesus, by his glory and his excellence, he's putting together these promises and he's giving those to us. It's about him. You're noticing a little bit of a theme here. By which his glory and excellence, he has granted to us his his precious and very great promises. Why? Why? Peter says, so that through them, through what? The great promises that Jesus is extending to us, through these great promises, we may become what? Partakers. What do other translations say there? What, what, what does your Bible say there? May become what? Partakers? Participants, anything else? Anyways, partakers, this, this word is important, guys, so that by these promises, as we take them, as we're walking with him, we might become partakers. That, that, that's not sitting on the sideline. That's not sitting in the corner. That's not being in the closet. That's not just being not involved. We're in the game. We're sitting at the table, we're taking it in, we're experiencing the taste, the smells, the sounds, if you will, of what Jesus is doing and how we're being used in his kingdom. We're partaking, we're participating, there's action involved, we're walking it out. Some of us need to hear this this morning. Some of us, and I don't want to, this isn't guilt, this is just reality. We need to be partaking of what God's doing. Some of us have been sitting on the sidelines because we're like, well, I'm not sure what to do. Well, ask. I don't know. You know, partake. 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 There's some action here. Partake of what? The divine nature. Whoa. Okay, Peter isn't laying down, hey, you're going to become gods here but partake of godliness. Partake of all that the Holy Spirit is within you as a believer. You have the fruits of the Spirit in you. Partake of it. It's there. Feast. Partake. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. 
Sinful desire being the very opposite and antithesis of the divine nature. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So, how do we live godly lives in the midst of this bombardment of lies and temptation and false teaching and sinful worldly influences? Listen, it's, we need to realize that it is not about us. It is not about us. I've struggled with that the last few months. I don't have time to explain why, but I've gone down some roads for some reason. I th- you know, sometimes you get your eyes fixed on yourself, and you think, ah, oh, i got to muster up something to figure out how to live this life that God's called me to as a, as a pastor, as a, as a husband, as a, as a father. And somehow my, my eyes have gotten fixed here. No, no. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. My eyes need to be fixed on Him, the author and the finisher of my faith, not on myself. It's not about us. By His divine power, we become partakers of the divine nature, the fruits of the Spirit of godliness. I believe this sets the tone of this whole book, that His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Can, can we say that together this morning? Can we read this together, like, a couple times through? Heck, can we rem- memorize this, this week and through this series? Can, can we commit this to memory? I think this sets the tone for this letter. I think this sets the tone for answering this question, how do we live godly lives in the midst of this? Say, say this with me. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Again, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. One more time with life and energy. Clay, do it. Okay? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yes, it has. It has. But are we experiencing it? That's the question. That's the question for this series. That's the question for the next six weeks and the rest of our lives. I want to invite the worship team back up. To know, to grow in this knowledge, okay? As we unfold this book, as we jump in through this stuff, uh, may we grow in our knowledge, okay? Not just head knowledge, but it's, 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 it's a personal walk with him as we grow. Okay, it's a both and. It's knowledge and walking it out with him with Jesus. And may we remind ourselves daily of the things that we're going to be learning through this series, okay? Even this morning as we remember, remind ourselves that it's about His divine power that's going to make the difference. And it's the only thing that can make the difference. And may we grow in reminding each other. You know, if you're involved in a journey group or other different small groups within this body, we need to be reminding each other. And by the way, we need it more than once a week. I need it every day. I need it a few times a day. Okay? And may we, may, we, may we be people who grow, not just know it, not just be reminded of it, but may we be growing and increasing in these things that we're going to be unfolding um, in the following weeks in this series. His divine power has granted us to, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Would you guys stand uh, this morning? We're going to end um, 
with a song that we've sung here quite, quite often over the years, Heaven Fall Down. It's a prayer. It's a prayer asking the God of heaven and all of that is his divine power, okay? All the things that he is. We're gonna ask him this morning in song, heaven, would you come down? Spirit, would you pour out on us? May this be the prayer of our hearts uh, this morning. Let, let's celebrate and let's ask in song and then we'll be dismissed here in a few minutes.